welcome to Business Talk Sister Talk. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode is the internet as a career path. We have someone with us who let us try out being a guest on his podcast for the day, Screw the Commute. A natural comedian, he looks out for what we think is the little guy, but at least he still knows what he's worth. And we have dubbed him the Hamboyant Diamond in Disguise. Please welcome. <laughs> the and, please welcome Tom Antion. <laughs> what does it mean, it's, it's a word that I invented. Hamboyant. <laughs> you made it up? Who, who made it up, Ruthie? I made it up, yeah. I. Uh, it's a cross between being a ham and being flamboyant so <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. oh man Cher will love that she loves all the her flamboyant fans <laughs> <laughs> well we we and for you guys who are just uh listening we told him that we were going to give him a nickname and we were going to prank him by introducing him as that flamboyant. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah thanks so much for being here with us today we're super yeah. excited to have you I am thrilled too. We had a blast on uh, my podcast, getting to know uh, your family dynamic. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, let's uh, let's lay it on them. The internet as a uh, career path. Uh, yeah. So tell us what what do you do? Uh, what do I do? Well, in the last twenty, let's see, now going on twenty seven years, I've been selling on the commercial internet when it start since it started in nineteen ninety four. So I started selling on there, and then I got so good at it, people started begging me to teach them how to how to do it. And so so I both sell my own stuff and I teach other people how to do it too. Nice. That's awesome. Okay, so what was the your beach working for a living? Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> You're implying that that's not a lot of work, and it sounds like it's it's really well. Well, the old saying is, is that an entrepreneur will work 80 hours a week uh, for himself to get out of working 40 hours for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so that's totally true because I'm a fanatic. I could have quit long time ago, but I just love it so much. And I love seeing people uh, successful. I love meeting two crazy sisters. And how would have I ever met you two that live, I don't know, uh, somewhere out in different planet i don't know where you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you kind of touched on this a little bit but tell us about your why you kind of mentioned that you like working with people but what was your why behind getting started with um well it, it was a severe desire to avoid working for a living I mean, that's really how it came about. Um, you know, I've always had my own job. That's my podcast is Screw the Commute. So I never actually had a job. Well, I actually applied for a job once. Um, one time, because I saw it said 401k. And I thought, man, that's a good salary, 401,000 to start. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't it. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, I was, uh, you know, I've, I've been a professional speaker. I've had many different businesses, had an entertainment company. But in the professional speaking business, I was selling my information products in the form of a cassette tape, which probably neither one of you ever seen before. And uh, um, it was hard enough to sell stuff across the street, let alone around the world. So when the commercial internet started coming around in 1994, I thought, are you kidding me? You mean I can sell my stuff around the world from my desktop? I'm going to figure this out. And that's how, you know, I just jumped all over because I had always worked out of my home. 
now the speaking i had to go and speak at different events all around the place but but uh for the most part i've always worked out of my home and in fact i had a nightclub for six years and i lived above the nightclub so technically i had a nightclub in my basement (laughs) (laughs) so uh so that's why i jumped on the internet because it was uh, a way to expand my reach um exponentially um and um as long as you learn how to do it. Yeah. So I have a question about that because it's, it's not very often that I get to talk to somebody who's been on the internet um, for the Ever. life <laughs> for so long. Um, how, how have you seen the internet change over time? And like, how, what did that look like for you as you went through different phases of that? Well, yeah. So in the beginning, um, I mean, literally uh, you'll, you'll find this hard to believe we would have to download a, a video for two to three hours and it would only play at the size of a postage stamp. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally how it was. The speeds were really low. It was dial up. And, uh, uh, so, so it was just really, really slow. Uh, fast forward to today. And I use the word fast because things are lightning fast now. And then the other thing that's changed is there's just enormous amounts of tools available to you that are really inexpensive, but extremely powerful. So that's been the the big change over over the years. It's still been selling stuff online and communicating online, but the speeds are just outrageous now and the tools available to you now are outrageous. So you probably made a lot of coffee while you're waiting for stuff to download in the past, huh? (laughs) No, you didn't make coffee. You went to watch the, went to the movies. (laughs) You could see it, the whole thing real big right there, right away in the movies theater. But you you come back, it's halfway done. It's halfway downloaded. You paint your entire house. (laughs) Okay, so why did you... um, pick the internet like what was your reason behind specifically that well the internet picked me basically because uh, you know i just had this um severe um thought in my head that i never want to work for anybody else and so this was a a pathway that allowed me to uh, do as much as i want as uh, make as much money as i wanted uh, to do it anytime day or night now, in the beginning, it was, you know, there wasn't, you know, super fast laptops and there wasn't Starbucks where you could go in and get Wi-Fi. There wasn't any Wi-Fi. It didn't exist. So, so um, once the, that start, it started evolving, then it was really like, oh, this is a perfect lifestyle for, for me and for I'm now for millions of people around the world where you can do it from anywhere um, and you can reach out you can money's going into your checking account while you're i mean i mean everybody you know cliche why make money while you sleep well it's absolutely true if you set up the proper infrastructure and you reach people and you give them good value money comes into your checking account while you're sleeping and while you're awake too that's even double whammy so says the hemboyant uh, what was I, a hamboyant? What? Hamboyant diamond in the rough. I think it's is it H E M or H A M? H A M. Oh, I'm thinking hamboyant. What does that mean? <laughs> hamboyant. No, okay. diamond in disguise. That's sorry. Diamond in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, uh, so that's, I mean, it was just a clear path and perfect for me in my, the way I like to live my life. Nice. So okay. what lessons have you learned while you've been working for yourself? Like, how did you first start out doing that to make a living? And then, oh, then you learned like, this is actually a good way to, to go about things. Well, I mean, you're talking the internet, but keep in mind, I have been in my own formal business for 44, now 45 years. And uh, even since I was 10 years old, I was selling stuff. So I was always entrepreneurial. My dad was entrepreneurial. In fact, there, uh, Hollywood has done a documentary about me and my dad, who came over from um, Syria on a cattle boat and became an entrepreneur and turned me into an entrepreneur. And then I've helped thousands of entrepreneurs. So that's going to be premiering this spring sometime uh, called The American Entrepreneur. So, so it was... Uh, uh, it was just a perfect vehicle. I mean, you couldn't have had a, a better vehicle and it's a perfect vehicle now for people. And I've been preaching this for 22 years since I've been teaching this stuff, but you know, work at home used to be like a dirty word, like, Oh, that's a scam. That's a scam. And now look, everybody's working from home. Right? And, uh, I don't think you can take credit for a pandemic and maybe you shouldn't. No, no, I'm not taking credit for the pandemic, but I'm just saying that it's, it's saying, look, you know, you can legitimately work from home and this is a perfect vehicle for it. And, and, uh, and with my school, you can actually learn from home and legitimately work from home. So it's perfect yeah. for disabled people and uh, all kinds of people. And then all these families that had to, quit working because the kids weren't in school and nobody to watch them. So they, it would have never uh, messed their family up at all had they been able to sell online as a career. Yeah. Um, okay. So in selling online and all of your internet business um, ventures, how do you know what is a good place to invest your time and what would be a waste of your time? Well, I always uh, go for things that are high return and low cost. You know, there was a dot-com bubble, they called it uh, back, you know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, or even more, and where they were throwing millions of dollars at stuff and then getting no returns. So I do opposite that. I do things that are extremely low cost with massive returns. And then if it doesn't work, you can try something else. And if that doesn't work, you can try something else and you didn't just shatter your whole financial future. So the thing is, is keep your costs low and the returns high. And now when, you know, I don't sell any cassettes or even hardly CDs or DVDs anymore. I do have some DVDs, but, but most of it is digital. So that means it's 97% profit. So if you can learn how to do this, and, and I've, I, I got, you know, probably a dozen places you can do this with not, not even a website, you know, so uh, the, the idea is to keep your costs low and your returns and profit margins high, and you can afford to mess up a bunch and still be profitable and, and make a living at. Yeah. So where do you think people commonly struggle with that when they're trying to figure that out? Well, they have, uh, they have to, believe that they can do it, first of all, because there's been just so many scams out there. So I don't bl uh, blame them for being skeptical. But they struggle uh, because there's so many uh, people that never really made any money trying to tell you how to get rich. 
And so, and they're really great at copywriting. And I'm really a big fan of copywriting. I have a course on it. But the thing is, is they, they could take, a, you know, a piece of dog do and tell you how great it is. And you got to have this greatest dog do. But I got to tell you, you could pour sugar on dog do all day long, and it's not going to turn out to be candy. <laughs> okay, it's still bad. And so uh, they get sucked into spending money on things that are really terrible and worthless. So it's good to have somebody in your court that has been there and done that and uh, can steer you away from all the scams. And, and that happened to me. I mean, uh, the first two years, I didn't make a nickel. I did not make a nickel until I start, I got good training from a guy named Corey Rudel. Unfortunately, he died in a tragic uh, car accident, but he was my first teacher. He was making $5 million a year from his apartment. <laughs> and, and so he was the real deal, brilliant guy. And he was my first teacher. And as soon as I, after two years of struggling on my own, as soon as I got training from him, I started making money. It, it wasn't like it is now, but it was 50 bucks a week and then a hundred, then 500, then a thousand, then 10,000. We, we have $30,000 weeks now. So, so mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's really good to get good training from somebody credible, but you really got to do your due diligence because there's so many people that make themselves look credible when they're really ripoffs. In fact, I have a, another Hollywood show in, in development called Scam Brigade. You can see the trailer at scambrigade.com where I go after bad people because I'm really, a, you know, a, an, I stand up for the un underdog because it's too easy to get robbed and ruin the whole industry for all of it. Mm -hmm. which fits with your with your catchphrase that we made for you that you you fight for the little guy you stand up for the little guy so that's yep, I'm a <laughs> buoyant diamond um, in disguise necklace or <laughs> <A> diamond necklace <laughs> <laughs> okay so um i would wholeheartedly agree with you that there's so many different scams and things out there and people have all these get rich quick schemes so um how do you know if something is going to be valuable to other people like if you're looking at one of those uh, programs and things where they're like oh do this and then you get all these clients like how do you really vet what people want well you have to do what we call keyword research is and that can be totally free where you see where is there a demand for whatever your idea is and i did you ever hear of csi mm -hmm. what, what's it mean to you something crime, about solving crime, crime scene <laughs> investigation yeah that's what you think it is right no to me <laughs> it's crappy stupid idea <laughs> so so uh, and everybody's ideas including my own are crappy and stupid until you can prove they aren't with real numbers and what that means is is you know somebody thinks up an idea they build all these websites and get all the social media and everything to match and then crickets are chirping because nobody wanted that idea so that's backwards what you do is you do keyword research and that'll tell you how many people are searching for uh, your idea, how many people are searching on related ideas or something close to your idea before you make an investment. And then you go do product uh, research. See, a lot of people think, oh, there's so many products out there. I, I, I can't do that idea because there's too many products. No, that's backwards too the more products there are in a market that proves there's a demand there. See, if there's no products in a market, that's either you hit the lottery, you're going to get rich and sell gazillions, 
but more likely is nobody could make any money in that field. And so nobody has any products. So if there's products in there, that means there's a market and that proves there's a demand. And I call this my pizza shop theory. You, you know, if, if you make a good pizza, I mean, there's a massive demand for pizza in the world, right? So if you do a good job making pizza and run your business well, you'll get your fair share of the business. So don't go into something obscure because it costs a fortune to crack the market and then there may not be a market. So it's uh, too risky that way. Mm -hmm. So who do you think is like the typical person that you would see that you see success using the internet as an income? Like what kind of people do well at that? The, the successful people are the ones that stick to it because nothing, nothing about this is hard. It's just, there's enormous uh, moving parts. It's, it's like a, it's like a jigsaw puzzle where you have all these pieces out in front of you, but you don't have the box. <laughs> so you have no idea what it's supposed to look like. And so that's where a good coach or mentor will help you. Uh, put those things together. But the uh, the ones that are successful are the ones that are persistent and consistent. Because just about anything can make money online, if you stick to it enough, and you keep your costs low, and it's got a good profit margin. So it, it's nothing to do with, uh, with people that are brilliant marketers, and <laughs> that uh, the techniques are kind of all the same. It's just that you have to keep going until you find the thing that works for your product and service. And a lot of people are too easy to quit nowadays and say, oh, it didn't work. No, you didn't work. You didn't stick to it and find the way to make it work. And so it's persistent and consistency are the traits of the successful people. Mm. Okay. Um, so how important is it to be diversified in the different areas of the internet that you're utilizing and trying to be successful? Well, there's there there literally is a gazillion ways to make money, but uh, it's important to be diversified, but not in the beginning. <laughs> okay, hmm. and that's the the typical ooh squirrel, ooh shiny object kind of thing, and nobody is ever successful that way. I've had <clears throat> over seventeen hundred students in my big program and tens of thousands of people in my audiences all around the world, and the ones that try to get 10 things going, never make any money. They always fizzle. The people that pick something, uh, research it properly, make sure that it's viable and stick to it, they make money. And then once they learn how to do it correctly, that's when you can take the same set of skills to the, to the next uh, topic that you want to talk about or, or product. Like I have two German Shepherds over there. Uh, so I have a protection dog company on the side. I've got a tennis DVD that I sell. I, I had uh, golf sites and things, but not all at once and not all at the beginning. Mm. So uh, so it's important to be diversified, but not in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So would you say that being a business-minded person has helped you in life? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, let me let me change the question slightly. Being a small business person has helped me in life. Mm -hmm. A big business person, oh, what do they learn? Well, they learn nepotism. They learn backstabbing. They learn it takes <laughs> <laughs> it takes two weeks committee meeting to go to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> they learn to gossip. You know that. So, 
So uh, being a small business person that, uh, and I have, I've hired hundreds of people over the years, but I mean, still I'm the bottom line. And so that gives you this unstoppability that you know that you can make it no matter what you can scratch and crawl and, and you can be successful where a big business person is like, Oh, well, you know, pass the buck, you know, blame them over there because they didn't get the stuff to us on time and all, all these kinds of excuses when a small business person, you know, they look around, you know, Oh, I can't pass this to anybody. It's me. <laughs> so that really makes you tough inside and you can, uh, you learn to overcome obstacles. In fact, you can't see it right now, but there's a thing behind me uh, where my, my dad, when I would, could just crawl, uh, would put my pillows in front of me and put my toys on the other side of them to teach me how to overcome obstacles before I could even walk. And so to this day, I'm unstoppable. I mean, I won't cheat anybody or step on them to get where I'm going. But if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to blow by you doing it. In fact, when somebody tells you for your audience out there that you can't do something, that doesn't mean anything. It means they can't do it. Okay. <laughs> so it doesn't mean you can't do it. So, so uh, the being in a small business and being successful at it, not that I've always been successful. I mean, I, I, um, I got wiped out one time in the nightclub business. Well, not only did I almost get killed because I was in over a hundred violent encounters with bikers trying to kill me and gunfights and knife fights and all that stuff, but yikes. But, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, as long as something doesn't kill you, you can turn it into something good. So I have another website called Brutal Self-Defense. And so it's like every nasty thing you can do to another human being, you know, but, but uh, only in self-defense purposes. But, but anyway, the uh, drinking, uh, I had this the second biggest nightclub in the state, and the drinking age went from 18 to 21 in a college town. Wiped me out. I lost 400000 bucks in one shot. And set, I was working seven days a week for six years straight to build the place up and it was all wiped out. So, uh, you know, that can devastate people, you know, where, yeah, it was devastating at the time, but with my dad in my back of my head and, you know, you can't, you're unstoppable. This is just the setback. You can come out of this. And so, so I refused to go bankrupt, you know, and, and I went to every creditor and I said, look, you know, me. I'm not going to stick you with all these bills. You give me time and I'll pay them all off. And so I did not go bankrupt. I paid everybody every nickel off over time. And, and, you know, that's showing integrity. And, and, you know, that's a big, big part of the success in business too, because, you know, it, put, it sets you apart from all the ripoffs. Mm -hmm. And how has being, does it sounded like, are you debt free now? I'm consumer debt free, but uh, when you're in business, you want to keep a certain amount of uh, debt and um, I don't have to, but I keep a certain amount going because you always want to have uh, good credit. And mm -hmm. so if you have zero stuff going on, you, you know, if some big opportunity comes up, you don't have credit. So I'm consumer debt free, but I still, my, you know, business uh, things we on purpose. In fact, I was, uh, I, I was lucky to know a guy, I can't tell, tell you his name, but uh, he's a billionaire. And he's the one that taught me that he's and he didn't, you know, he could buy the like, his whole city if he wanted to. And uh, he said, No, you got to keep um, two things. He told me he said, Tom, you need to set aside time to think. That's part of your job is to just think. And then he said, the other thing 
is you keep lines of credit always revolving. And, uh, you know, don't pay fortunes and interest in anything, but just keep things going so that you always uh, have uh, current uh, high, um, you know, scores and all that stuff. And when you need something uh, quick, boom, the money's already there. And how do you think that that has kind of set you up for success and being able to jump on those new opportunities and kind of averting risk in that because you're financially stable to do so? Hasn't done a thing for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason, but the reason it hasn't done a thing for me is because uh, every business I've started is extremely low cost. And I mean, it's just a computer, basically, maybe a printer. Uh, So I never had to take advantage of those things to, um, to use them, but I never know what's what the future holds. So, um, so it hasn't really done a lot for me yet. But you know, I got a super high credit rating, got lines of credit that I could pull in enormous amounts of money if I wanted to, but I don't really want to because uh, it's, it's almost against the way I teach keep the costs low and the, and the returns high. So it doesn't cost much to start an internet business. Like I said, you could have people tomorrow, you know, uh, getting money coming in, just going on eBay. And that's in fact, when people are desperate and come to me quick, I got to make money quick. I put them on eBay because they could clean out their basement and have money coming in through PayPal, like in a day or so. You know, so, so there's just so many opportunities out there, but I don't want people, you know, financing big, big stuff and trying to go for, uh, you know, big startups and things like that. It's just too risky. So um, that's, I mean, people do it all the time. It's just, I wouldn't teach them that. So how do you set goals for yourself as an entrepreneur? Well, I've never reached a goal in my entire life. Never. (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah and so this is a mind game i I play on myself i'm trying to keep track of who's asking questions i think that was ruthie right no that was becca (laughs) oh okay because there's there's a box here that likes it goes back and forth like who's talking um so so i have a mind uh, is a lot of my success has been mind games on myself so my mind game is is that as soon as i get close to a goal it disappears and there's one goes past it. And that keeps me just moving forward all the time. Because what happens if you reach your goal, then what you look around and say, Oh, I guess I retire now. (laughs) So so no, I, uh, I use that mind game on myself. I've never reached a goal. It's always something past it. And then another mind game while I'm thinking of mind games is that I announce what I'm going to do to the world. And then I'm too embarrassed not to do it. So if times get tough, I keep going. All right. <laughs> so peer pressure accountability. Yeah, I make my own peer pressure. Yeah, because I don't see the people that 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 just, uh, you know, they're looking and visualizing, you know, successful business. Well, they're dreamers. It only happens when you take the action. And so the action uh, is stimulated by uh, internally by me, but when times get tough, not quitting is because I don't want people to say he's a dreamer. He's a he, he's you know people look at me as a guy of action, not a dreamer, and so uh, that's a, just another mind game I play on myself. I announce it to the world, and it's and some 
some things, really big things I've done, like this retreat center I'm sitting in. I told people I was going to buy this multi-million dollar facility with no money down. And everybody's mortgage brokers are laughing at me and, may, you know, yeah, you're you're doing well, but you ain't doing that well. I got a no money down deal. Now, did I take it? No, because the interest rate was a little bit too high. So I put 5% down. All right. So, so, uh, uh, you know, like I said before, uh, when people tell you you can't do something, that means they can't do it. So I have a two part question for you. So the first part is when you first started out, what advice would you want to go back and give yourself? And then the second part of it is what tools and resources would you recommend to somebody who wants to start out? Okay. So what, what would I, um, what was that first one? What would I uh, uh, tell what myself did... if I was starting over? Yeah. Oh boy. Well, if I was starting over, I probably honestly would not have started my school. And I love my school when it's a unique, great facility has had great results. It's just that I kind of knew it was going to be against my personality to deal with the education system. Because things that, like, for instance, uh, when, when a school started, we had all these things and my final approval after three years is supposed to go to the board meeting. Uh, for the final approval of my school. And I get a call, I checked everything, everything's ready to go. I get a call and say, hey, um, and this is a week before the board meeting. They say, um, Mr. Antion, we forgot to put you on the agenda for the board meeting. I said, well, it's next week. Just go ahead. Oh, okay, no problem. Go ahead and do it. Uh, we can't really do it now. It's all set in stone. What? The next board meeting is not for six months. It cost me $30,000 in rent on the, the mm. you know, and they say, oh, sorry, you know, and they're doing her nails probably, you know, so, or, <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, I've had, that's been tough for me to do, to do mm. that because I could have made um, as much or more money and not had a, the, the school behind, behind me. So that's something I would have changed is, is just be careful. Uh, and the, the bottom line there would be make sure you're doing something that you belong and you like, and you're going to appreciate, not something that's going to be totally opposite of what you like, you know, because <laughs> you won't stick with it. You know, that's the, that's the, the bad part. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on the tools and resources oh, because oh. I think you have a couple things that you already have going on that I thought you might want to mention too. So people know uh, where to find you. Well, I do want to give them a free resource. Um, yeah, yeah, this is, uh, um, you heard me mention it on my podcast. Uh, it's, it's an automation book. It's all the things I do to automate myself. I mean, I got to 50, uh, what was it? 150,000 subscribers and 40,000 customers with one temp, one part-time temp person. And because I was able to do all this stuff with these automation tools, the only time I started hiring people was when the accountant called me up and said, Hey, Hey, Tom, you have too much retained earnings. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? He says, yeah, they're going to, I said, I'm going to pay more tax because I haven't been buying yachts and airplanes and stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry. So I, I said, I'd rather hire people than, uh, than buy bombs for the government. So, uh, so that's when I started. But anyway, in this ebook, 
is all of these tips and tricks to like uh, handle things lightning fast. And just one of the, the things that you see in the book has saved me seven and a half million keystrokes. We actually estimated it a couple of years ago. It's probably more than that now. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, and these some the I think the most expensive one there is 20 bucks, the tools that I show. And most many of them are free, mm -hmm. uh, including cell phone uh, automation tips and all, all kinds of stuff. So so that's at screwthecommute.com slash automate free. Screwthecommute.com slash automate free. And then drop me a note and tell me you heard it on the um Sister Gox. What is Business talk, Sister Gox. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what it is. It's just that we're not looking at each other. So I'm just gawking at uh, the blank screen, right? Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that transitions us into our, our final portion, which I'm excited about. So uh, Tom and I good transition, a Tom. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit beforehand about um, some of the previous things that he's done in his life. And he told me that he had a story for us about his prank company and i'm just i just love the fact that you owned a company that was specifically designed for practical jokes <laughs> i know yeah we it was like candid camera but it was live and this was long before punked and all that and i i was on radio and tv all over the world because of it but so let me tell you tell you about uh what happened one saturday morning one this lady called me up and she was frantic because she had forgotten her best friend's birthday and this is in washington dc area and her best friend owned this hair salon that, I mean, it was really ritzy. You know, there's a lot of ritzy stuff up there. And um, he had won a Rolls Royce, okay, for hair designs. That's the kind of level we're talking about, a really fancy place. And hmm. and the Saturday morning, I'm thinking, okay, I, I'll call you back. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I was taking my dog out. His name is Freeway. And uh, because I found him on the side of the road, all busted up. And, oh. and every summer... <laughs> Uh, his, uh, he would bite himself to get hot spots and there's like patches of hair missing all over him. So I'm thinking, Hmm, hair, hair salon. And so I called her back up and I, and I went down and this is what I did. So I barge into the place with freeway and I start raving that, uh, my wife had had the dog groomed there the day before and his hair was falling out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and Freeway is like running around all over the place. Terror. I mean, he's not scary, but he's just running around <laughs> the lobby of this fancy hair salon. And so, and I said, he's a show dog. And I, I called him Farnsworth. I said, Farnsworth has got a show tomorrow. And I demanded that they Federal Express a canine toupee kit in for him for his <laughs> show. <laughs> and the, the owner's freaking out. And, uh, and I had my business card was a little devil sticking his tongue out and I, I stuck it right in his face. And this was very common that people get so flustered that they wouldn't even, uh, he took the card and he said, Oh, I, I said, okay, I'm going to put Farnsworth out in the car and I'm going to come back and sue you. And he's okay, buddy, whatever you, you know, <laughs> he didn't even see this devil sticking his tongue out and prank masters on the card. And so I go and I put the dog in the, uh, the car and I bring in balloons and do a singing telegram for the guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the, the best part to me was that uh, there was a lady in the lobby who was a dog groomer. And she came up to Matt afterwards and she said, I know every kind of dog there is. I couldn't imagine what kind of show dog that mutt was. <laughs> so, so, so that was just one of the 4,000 jobs we did in about six years up in D.C. 
that you just really have to not only be able to think on your feet for something like that, but you, I, I, your personality just really has to has to. Well, I'm flamboyant. <laughs> the hardest part was not laughing because i did all kinds of things like clumsy waiters like mm. let's say you got a big family let's say they hired me and it's your birthday and everybody in the family knows except you that i am this waiter that's going to just wreak havoc on your birthday party <laughs> and, and i would uh, fall on the floor and i would come up and hit my head on the thing and start screaming and and uh, just crazy, but you couldn't laugh in front of people. One time I was at a wedding and the bride and groom had uh, got me there and I was dressed in these flood pants, you know, like they're really too short and white socks and these giant clodhopper shoes. And, and I'm going through the buffet line and in the middle they had all these um, rubber grapes and things like that. And so I'm trying to pull these grapes off to put them on my plate at the buffet. <laughs> everybody in the whole, whole place is watching i finally rip one off and i put it in my mouth and start trying to chew it like rah, 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 real loud. <laughs> and so you can't laugh to let them know it's a joke and then i would disappear and the whole place would like wonder what the heck happened so that was just <laughs> constant for six straight years <laughs> well thank you so much for being with us today we have just really enjoyed our conversation well, I'm, I'm really proud that I could be on a show because we had, I'm looking at your name on the screen right now. And we had a rule like in my company that if we got a call from uh, somebody uh, named Jeff, but it was spelled G-E-O-F-F, -F, we knew it was going to be trouble because he's a big rich kid from over in Potomac or something. <laughs> so I'm looking at your name, R-E-B-E-K-K-A-H. Oh, it's no one. I knew it was going to be trouble dealing with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you were happily disappointed. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm, I'm really, if there's one word to describe how I feel, it's, it's um, hamboyant. <laughs> okay. all right well thank you all for joining us this week and we will see you next week if you like this uh, episode feel free to give us a review on apple podcasts